the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. There's a uh, a new coach in Dallas. The Stars have hired Jim Montgomery, who uh, will be going by Monty, as uh, he told us in the uh, press conference today, which helps solve some confusion with the trio of Jims in the organization. And uh, I'm surprised we actually are recording this podcast on May 4th right now. I thought this was something that would be when Jim Nill set out for his coaching search. Um, I thought we probably would be waiting until maybe mid maybe even mid-June before there was a hire. I thought it would be a bit more patient approach. Um, but the Stars had their top candidate they wanted, and they made their move. Uh, I guess we'll start, Ryan, just... Your initial reaction to uh, to what's gone down? Uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess, would have to be how I'm going to choose to approach this because I got all happy jack last year when they brought in Ken Hitchcock and he seemed to be saying all the right things. And it kind of got you excited at the time. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. Um, he's, def- he's a guy who learned from his experiences in St. Louis and – Obviously, we know how that turned out. I think with Jim Montgomery, I fit, it's different because, obvi- I mean, obviously, he's a different coach. He's, I don't want to call him totally new school because he's not. He has a lot of old school elements to him, but I liked the things, some of the things that he had to say. I like the way his Denver teams played for the most part. So, cautiously optimistic. I mean, with, with all these coaches press conferences and everything like that it really is um and this is something that i feel like i've used this phrase quite a bit in both writing and probably on this podcast um we're kind of we're really at a point in stars the stars where it's an actions speak louder than words type of scenario now where how whoever they hired whoever they hired frankly was going to say the right things in the press conference Anyone can sell a press conference. Jim Lights is an expert salesman. He could help sell the press conference if the coach wasn't good. Uh, but it really is actions speak louder than words. Can Jim Montgomery deliver on what he said? Um, can Jim Nill deliver on some of the things he said? Uh, how can how will that play out? And that's really that's 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 the biggest factor for me. Is what this is a nice baseline and sets a nice expectation, but can they deliver on expectations going forward? Because we could be, as, as you said perfectly before, we thought Ken Hitchcock said the right things, and he did say the right things, but there were some things that Ken Hitchcock uh, did that did not, uh, it just didn't work. Well, right, and I mean, I don't know that there's ever been a situation where at an introductory press conference that a coach has said something that could be construed as the wrong things. I mean, you know, everyone's going to say for the most part, what people want to hear. I feel like, I mean, while being honest, not necessarily blowing smoke, but I mean, they're not going to come out and say, no, we're just going to go out there and we're just going to throw the old guys out there and blah, 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 blah. And all that stuff like that. It's, it's an idealistic situation of an introductory press conference. So, I mean, I don't know how much you can necessarily take from it, but, I like the fresh blood. I think that's a, that's definitely a positive. He Montgomery's certainly saying the right things, and from all 
from all understanding, I'm not. Was he the top coach on the market? Um, he was at this point, May the first week of May, the most desirable coach on the market because this was he was a coach that was going to be. If Jim Montgomery wasn't hired by Dallas, the New York Rangers would probably be having a press conference right now to introduce him. So, um, is he was he the top coach available? Maybe, maybe not. Um, the top coach available might still be might still be coaching in the playoffs right now. But you also don't know if that coach A would have been available, B if they would have been interested, and C if they would have been the right fit. So, I understand. I know this. Maybe one of the questions might be is why did the Stars hire Sheldon? Uh, sorry, why did the Stars hire Jim Montgomery right now when Sheldon Keefe hasn't been available for an interview yet? Uh, Todd Nelson, they didn't have a chance to really talk, go in depth with Todd Nelson yet. Um, some of the other candidates are still in the playoffs, um, but this really came down to the Stars were so impressed with Jim Montgomery they felt he was the top candidate and he had to be, and they weren't going to let him. Um, they weren't going to let him go to New York, basically. That's kind of how this came down, and that's why this happened so quickly. Um, is that the right decision? I guess we'll we'll have to live to, we'll live to see the results of that. Um, but uh, if if Montgomery is your top choice, the Stars handled it appropriately to get him. in. I'm rambling right now. Do you understand my point? Yeah, no, for sure. It's. I, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit the last time or the second to last time that we spoke that in an ideal situation you'd wait as long as you can and interview as many people as you can to I mean to do your due diligence on everybody it sounds like in this case Jim Neal did as much due diligence as he could but if Jim Montgomery was always your leader in the clubhouse then if you're worried about that guy potentially getting hired somewhere else you kind of have to make your move I don't want to necessarily say the star's hand was forced in that regard but i mean that's just kind of the nature of it yeah well we kind of talked a little bit how we got here um i think one thing we should go people have probably if you're listening to this podcast i'm assuming you probably already know the history or done have read a little bit um otherwise i don't understand why you'd be listening to the podcast but um basically quick back background on jim montgomery played was a tremendous college hockey player scored he had over 300 points in four seasons of college hockey which is ridiculous uh, so he was a tremendous college hockey player had a lengthy journeyman type pro career played about 122 nhl games if i have my math right and then got into coaching Coached in the uh, USHL, won a couple cups there. Coached Johnny Goudreau, um, and then spent uh, time in Denver, where he won a national championship and was considered one of the better coaches in college hockey. Um, the history of guys going, of the history of coaches going from college hockey to the NHL, it's it's not a long list. Um, Montgomery is the fifth, will be the fifth person, fifth coach to go directly from, to go to, go from college hockey, fifth, fifth coach to go from college hockey to the NHL um, without any prior NHL experience as an assistant or anything. 
Um, he'll be the fourth to do it directly. Herb Brooks technically did that, but there's also the gap where he coached the Olympic team in between when he went from Minnesota to the New York Rangers. So there's technically he went from the Herb Brooks technically went from the University of Minnesota to the U.S. Olympic team to the Rangers. So technically Montgomery is just the fourth person to do it to go directly from a college job to an NHL job. Um, but two of those in the last four years now um, in both uh, Montgomery and Philadelphia is Dave Haxtell. actually talked to Haxtell on the phone about an hour and a half before we recorded here and talked to him a little bit about kind of the challenges that come up in that, that face with a college coach. Um, and I'll get into that. I'll get into that in a second on Haxtell, on Haxtell but I guess to put it out to you, when you, how do you look at what's happened so far with Dave Haxtell? I think that's a way somewhere we can go right now is with Philadelphia because that because that's our only that's our only sample size right now in the modern era. How do you look at what's happened in Philadelphia, who's the only other team that it currently has gone with this route? I don't know, and that's kind of what. I guess kind of, I don't know that I would necessarily say that it worries me, but for some reason I feel like I follow multiple Philadelphia fans and or people on Twitter and all I ever see is them complaining about Dave Haxtall. So I that doesn't make me feel that too good about it. I mean obviously the situation is completely different. Not completely different, but there's differences to it. Um I don't know. I don't know that I I haven't really watched a ton of Philly. Um, I watched I like a little bit of play. their series against. I like their power play. I've always liked Philadelphia's power yeah, play. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, there's a difference with Philadelphia though, is that they have a slew of excellent young defensemen who are all just about all puck movers. I mean, Goss mm-hmm. despair is a puck mover. Ivan Provorov is one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. I guess that's yeah. really only two. I mean, but that's there's so there's some similarities. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I think that my, like the echo chamber that I get is just Dave Haxtell sucks because that's what I see on Twitter all the time. So I don't know. That might be poisoning my opinion on this situation. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I used the term middling middling success for Haxtell. He's reached the playoffs in two out of the three seasons. Um, lost in the first round each season, and they had one year, and even the year, um. The year they got the second overall pick was they were they were actually where the stars are this year. They had the thirteenth best odds to win the lottery, so they moved. Uh, so they were kind of a middle of the road team that year. Um, it's frankly though, I think it's it's it, it's from a stars perspective, Haxtell making the playoffs two out of the last three years. Isn't that something that the stars would kill for? Yeah, I mean, you could certainly make you could certainly make that make that <laughs> argument. Um, yeah, I mean, I Phil, Phillies Phillies made the playoffs two out of three years with with David Haxtell. The Stars have made the playoffs two out of the last ten. Right, and I mean, you kind of got to look at there, there's another way to look at this too. Is Philly has traditionally been absolutely garbage in that, and yep. I, you could argue that Dallas has a better goaltending situation right now. I think I mean, I think that'd be a very good argument to make. I mean, another thing, another way to look at this too is. Claude Drew had a resurgent season this year under Dave Haxtell. Like mm-hmm. this, I I don't know the statistics off the top of my head. This might have been his best statistical season of his career, and he's like twenty eight or twenty nine now. So that's not really the time that you see that happening typically in a player's career. So there's also that positive too. I would say. 
Yeah, Giroux had, what, 100... Yeah, Giroux had 102 points this year. That's up from 58 the year before. That's... That's a pretty good statistical improvement, I would say. Yeah. Percentage-wise. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Giroux actually ended up on my MVP ballot, actually. For the, it's one of one of the names on my heart ballot, actually, which I'm sure, which sure people will tell me will be wrong when it actually comes out. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, I, I think I'm going to use. Is it an exact science to compare the two? No, but I think there's enough there to say that, I mean, Haxtell didn't look overwhelmed. Um, it's not like it's not like he came in and the Flyers, he looked completely overmatched. Um, so I wonder sometimes, and this is just a question for, this is a question for people in Philadelphia. A, are expectations fair? Because that's the other thing. People. Yeah, that's is, true. That's true. Is is are those fair expectations because that's a sports city frankly that kind of gets starved for success expectations get set higher than they should be and good coaches who may be getting more than you actually think are getting out of their team kind of take a bit of the brunt of the blame so that's the other key question for Haxtell within Philadelphia um I spoke to him today and the and some of the interesting things he brought up, and there's some some of them are obvious. Um, he said one thing that he brought up is obviously you have to learn how to adjust to the college to the adjustment from the college to the NHL schedule. There's the obviously you play 82 NHL games. The best college team will typically play 40 to 44 to 45, depending on how many tournaments they play or whatever. Um, and so there's the schedule to adjust there. But the, the other interesting thing that I that he brought up that I think is a that really resonated in my mind and is something that I think this team really actually lacked last year in Dallas was Haxtell was telling me all about how you have to change your depth as a coach, as a communicator. Because in, in college, you're dealing with while there's guys who have different experiences and they, are, they do have lives, at the end of the day, it really is one demographic it's student athletes that are um it's student athletes that have that are 19 to 23 and you're dealing with that and the and not that i'm not saying every single person is the same but in general you can typically take um um Typically, you can try to use the same rule of thought on most people, and I'm not. I know someone's going to tell me I'm wrong, but but basically, it's the same demographic. Do you understand that point? Yeah, no, and that's. I think the toughest thing about going from college to the pros is, in college, if you can be a hard ass with them because they're kids, they're not really going to. I mean, it's sort of their livelihood, but it's not really their livelihood. You know what I mean? I mean, at Denver, it's a little different than if you're looking at a place like Bowling Green, where the grand majority of those players are there because it's a, a way for them to go to college for free, mostly. Um, in the pros, I don't think you can necessarily, like, I don't think the hard ass thing works as much in the pros because yeah. you got guys who've been around, who've been playing the game their whole lives, obviously. You got older players in there who've been around the game at a professional level for a long time. And I feel like with a lot of those guys, it kind of wears 
it can wear thin yeah. on them if you're not and if that's your only move is being a hard ass that's going to wear thin on a professional hockey player and that and that's kind of what Hackstall meant by talking about depth within communication where he has to and it's something that he even talked about and if we have any Phil Flyers fans listening he even talked to me, told me it's something that he has to uh, get better at and he feels like he gets better at it every year is having that depth to go to everyone uh, everyone on the roster and having that connection with everyone, having that connection with the young kid who's trying to make it in the NHL and having that connection with the veteran, having the, uh, being able to do that and then having that full depth of understanding of your team. And then that also extends to reaching out and making sure that effort goes beyond the current 23 on your roster. You also have to be able to develop and, and understand. You have to know if we have to call a guy up like that, I have to be able to know more about that guy as a person who's in the AHL, things like that. Um, and frankly, that was a disconnect, and that was a problem that the Stars had this year. Um, I think going back to, and Jason Spezza comes up, we've talked about Jason Spezza quite a bit, but I think back to there was quite a disconnect, an obvious disconnect between Jason Spezza and the coaching staff. Um, and there was an obvious, there were some other areas where there was obvious disconnects between the coaching staff and the players. And if, uh, and Haxtell and Montgomery spoke earlier this week, and they're supposed to talk on the and, and both said they plan to talk on the phone a little bit later too. Um, if they plan to talk again, if that's something that Montgomery can take from Haxtell's experience, that's something that could really benefit the Stars because this is a team that if the Stars need to build a winning culture, that's and it sounds extremely and terribly cliched, but it's true. You need to build a winning culture because there's something missing. There's something missing that allows the team to lose eight straight games in March. That allows the franchise to lose the final game of the regular season against a Minnesota AHL team. There's there's things that you need to build a winning culture. And if you can have the depth to connect on an individual level with all your players, I think that's something that if Montgomery has that and and that's something that he can take or he can learn and he can take from his chats with Haxel, that's something that could could be a benefit. Now this is this is a hope and, and just a I realize this is me going off making two leaps off one statement, but it's something that will be both a challenge and a goal that Montgomery will have to achieve to make sure that his system, his relentless puck possession system, can work with this group. Something that I think where I'm kind of, I'm kind of on an in between point with this with this because I think I like the hire. I like the hire a lot. And I think that Jim Montgomery. I like the hire too. I like the hire too. He was he was in. If I was making the hire, he is in the three people I would have interviewed. Right. And I think that Jim Montgomery is a guy that, as he gets used to being at the NHL level as a coach, he's going to get better. Which I'm trying to figure out how to tactfully phrase this in a way that it makes sense. That his coaching might get better as it goes along, which I don't know how that necessarily translates to the short term. So, and I kind of lost, I didn't lose my train of thought. I just don't know how to phrase this. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, Dallas is in win. Dallas is in win. You actually actually kind of cut out a little bit while you were saying it. Okay. So, Dallas is in win now mode. Yeah. Obviously. And Jim Montgomery is a guy who, if he, if we're, if I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to get better as an NHL coach as he gets more experience, which I don't think is an illogical thing to say. I don't necessarily know how that translates into this year. I think that he seems 
significantly more of a bubbly, energetic, fun person than Ken Hitchcock did, and I don't mean that as a dig at Hitch. They just seem like on different ends of the personality spectrum, and I think that going from Hitchcock to Jim Montgomery being all energetic, happy, all that good stuff could be beneficial from a just a mood standpoint. And that yeah, sounds really think, stupid to say, but I no, think I, I that, I think I that that's I, I actually a thing that exists. I understand it. There's a reason Hitch has a shelf life. There's a reason Hitch, he wears down on these. Um, and this this kind of brings me to, so Jim Montgomery is a little bit like, he, he is a little bit like Hitch. He's got some Hitch elements to him, but he's also got more of a hybrid in other ways where he wants to see his defenseman skate the puck out. He wants to attack down the middle. He wants to... Um, he wants to play, play with, he wants to use the old football cliche, the best, uh, defense is a good offense. That's, that's, that's in his realm. Um, and so he's kind of a bit of a hybrid between what we saw between the Lindy Ruff and the, uh, Ken Hitchcock era philosophies. Um, the other thing that I think, and I, I really think they, this was a poor headline choice and I felt like it painted things in the wrong, in the wrong way was the, uh, did you, I don't know if you saw the, the Dallas Morning News kept putting the headline out there that did the Stars hire the Jason Garrett of uh, hockey? Did you see that I did that see headline? that. I did see that. I, I felt that headline choice was very... This is not to... I, did, I wasn't a fan of that headline choice because I think it's... A... Jason Garrett is not the... Uh, <laughs> Jason Garrett's not the only coach in the world to use the word process. Um, I think all 31 NHL coaches would probably use the word process at least 17 times in a press conference this year. Um, Have you ever seen the um, the YouTube bit by the um, by the guys who do Letterkenny, where it's it, it, they basically it's like a post game interview of players, and the gag is that they just continuously say get pucks in, get pucks deep, gotta go work on the process. <laughs> If you guys have not yeah. seen that, you should look it up. It's quite funny, and it is quite true because it's like the canned response for hockey people is trusting the process. And I get that that's the thing of the 76ers right now is trust the process, but I got it for seven years covering Bowling Green hockey because Chris Bergeron would always say, you know, we got to work on our process. We got to trust that process and trust that the results will follow. Every okay. coach says tr- every coach says trust the process. I mean, right? But that was so, my and, personal and, and, experience yeah, with it. Yeah, and and so before we, and since I feel like it kind of, and Jason, I feel like, <laughs> so Jim Montgomery. I also feel like Cowboys Jim, hands don't like Jason Garrett, so I don't know that that yes. was that. That's like setting that's, it that's, up that's, for that, failure right away. That's my that's my point. It felt like it was a, uh, it felt like it was a undo, uh, undo setup to try and take a shot or you know what it probably got clicks that's probably probably got clicks though so um the uh but jim montgomery's process is more in college it's it's more about simplifying and allowing players to play their game if if you understand what i'm saying um essentially it's a way to simplify the game mentally for players and it's something that i think you need to do even more so for college players um where it was a way it's like okay if we're focusing on these seven things while i'm at denver in each game we focus on these seven things 
winning the game winning the game doesn't look like a mountain to climb. It just becomes, okay, if we focus on this and we do this, this, and this, and I'm helping check this list off, um, it's a motivational tactic. That's what it is. That's really what the process the process is. It's more of a motivational tactic. And he said maybe it's something that you can't do. In, in the NHL, you probably don't need to use seven. You'll probably use four and use four or five per game with four mainstays and one that probably changes based off the opponent or the matchup and everything like that. The process... It's a motivational tactic. That's kind of what I'm getting pointed out here. It's a way to simplify things to say to try and to try and keep players on task, on message. Um, it's not anything like the basketball word of the process, where the 76ers have used the process to as a code word for tanking or anything like that. It's a motivational tactic, and that's where this kind of comes in with Montgomery, where he's going to set four or five goals for each game for his team. Um, and if they check those off, great. If they don't, we'll probably never even hear about it. it. It's 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 a motivational tactic, and I think it's something that I think on people. I saw people. I'm just saying this because I saw people got got hung up and on hung up on it on Twitter when they saw that Jason Garrett was a process guy, and Jason Garrett doesn't win in the Cowboys. And so I saw people who are both Cowboys and Stars fans that cross section all of a sudden were souring on Montgomery before really really based off one headline. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that because I agree. It's I, that's not the comparison that I would have used. So, yeah, um, I, th- I think if if you want to take a look at Montgomery, and I actually this is what I did for film room this week. The one thing that excites me most uh, about watching Montgomery's teams play is how his defensemen are trusted. Whether it's whether. No matter which defenseman it is, Montgomery at Denver trusted his defenseman to carry the puck. They trust he trusted his defenseman to read the play. If you look at situations and you watch closely, the puck comes in, and they're encouraged to have their their head up and look and, and try to make. There's okay. There's option A. There's option B, and then option C if needed is the dump is dumping it all the way down. As opposed to what we saw in Dallas last year, where we would see certain defensemen who. Option A, B, and C was to just fire the length of the ice. Um, so looking at what his team has done in Denver, I look at a player like Will Butcher. I wrote about that today in a, in a piece that came out last night where um, Will Butcher is a player that was that was developed and learned under uh, Montgomery at Denver and had, had a pretty good, albeit slightly sheltered year at New Jer- and with the New Jersey Devils this year as a rookie at 44 points, moved the puck, power play specialist, and I mean, I'm inter- I'm really interested to see what Montgomery can do, um, and what not even what Mon- Montgomery can do, what Julius Honka and Miro Heiskanen and, and Stephen Johns can do with trust from their coach that hey, we want you to use the skill set that we drafted you for. Right, and I think so. We talk about this transitioning to coaching pros. I, the thing that I like about Montgomery is that he does know how to handle the kids. Because I feel like learning yeah. how to coach younger players is a little bit more difficult than it is to manage veterans because veterans can almost manage themselves. So before Denver, Jim Montgomery coached in the USHL with Dubuque, won two titles in three years. So, I mean, he's been there. He's won. He's been around young players his entire, pretty much his, actually exclusively his entire coaching career because before... He was a head coach. He was 
an assistant with Notre Dame and RPI. So he's been in the around under 25 players, coaching under 25 players his entire career. So that's a positive for me. And I like the will. I was before you said Will Butcher. I was thinking Will Butcher because that was a name that popped into my mind first. So yeah, I'm rambling now. <laughs> he also uh, what's the uh, Heinen? Is the uh, he's also I mean not just defenseman. He's got uh, the uh, the kid in Florida who played for him. Uh, uh, Bjorkstrand is that who I'm thinking of right Ollie? now? Ollie Oliver. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Henrik Borg, Borgstrand. Hen- Henrik, Henrik, yeah. I was thinking of Oliver Borgstrand in Columbus. Yeah, wrong one. Uh, and then Heinen in, in uh, Boston played for him at Denver, too, and he's yeah. had a nice little playoff. His, um, his leading scorer on his first Dubuque team was Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. Um, there's also no, uh, or at least uh, the other thing that's nice to see about Montgomery, and you look at his roster usage and everything like that, there's no size bias which tends to be, uh, you look at players like Johnny Goudreau, I got opportunities. Uh, Will Butcher's 5'10". Um, I think there is a, it's an encouraging sign that he's not, while he does partially come from the Kent Hitchcock school, he doesn't come from the Kent Hitchcock school that everyone has to look like a middle linebacker. That made me laugh. Very... Hold on, I was looking something up and I forgot what I was going to look up. Um, no, and I mean, defensively, he may, I mean, Tanner Gillette was one of the best goalies in college hockey in the last couple of years, and he's a guy who was undrafted. I don't know if he's even got a pro contract yet. So, I mean, that's another positive. He's to speak towards the, uh, the defensive acumen of his systems as well. I, the other thing that's interesting about Montgomery, um, that kind of ties into—I don't know if it ties into all of this—but um, his uh, college hockey in general tends to be more of a dump and chase game. Uh, it tends to be a game. It's a more—it's a game that's built more on chipping the puck in and chasing it down and then trying to control it from there. Um, so there are elements, there were certainly elements of that in his Denver team. But I think the thing that impressed me most, and I recently I went, re, I went and rewatched a couple of his Denver games, is um, they kind of went against that trend, where they did a much better job of carrying the puck in. They did a much better job of, and I think the past three years, they were first or second each year, and, and of course he four in each year at college hockey, um, which I'm not sure how accurate that is. But uh, they... Uh, in a system where, in a in a in a college hockey system where it's easy to chip and chase and everything like that, the fact that he was able to get his team to play a different style, um, I, I think that's another encouraging sign too. Agreed, and I mean he came up and straight out said, "We want to play a puck possession game," and I like that. I am all about puck possession. If you did not know, which everyone who listens to this should know that, because that's all I ever freaking talk about. So, I mean, those are positives. There's a lot of things to like. I'm still, I still don't know, and I, I don't have a good answer to how well it'll, how well his style will translate to the NHL, because um, I, I, I laugh at the, 
I, I laugh today when they talk about, oh, well, we don't know who gave, we didn't, who was Mike Babcock or who was Scotty Bowman before they given a chance. Like, um, <laughs> well, Glenn Goldson could have been, who was Glenn Goldson before they gave him a chance? Right, right. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, I, I laugh at the, uh, I, I laughed at that comment internally because it's, that's one thing to, it's, I mean, for, frankly, there's a better chance, if, you, if you're looking at raw numbers, there's a better chance of being a coach we've never heard of 10 years from now than ever becoming a Scotty Bowman. <laughs> right. I mean, but, if we're just, so I guess to break it down into a nice little bow, if we're talking about this on the surface, the positives for the positives for me significant. Literally, the only like negative thought that I will have about this hire is I just I don't know. There's not enough sustained evidence over time to suggest how somebody is going to transition from coaching college to coaching the NHL. That is literally the only negative of this hire for me. I don't know how big of a negative that is yet. That's something that I mean we may not know for a couple years down the line which mm-hmm. sucks, but it is what it is. So, I mean, if that's the worst thing that you can say about this hire, I'd say it's a pretty good hire. Yeah, I, I think it's a good hire. And as, as I said, it's he is definitely one of the people I would have interviewed for the job. Um, he wasn't my first choice, but I'm not saying that... But I'm not. I'm not disparaging the hire. I would have. I would have. He was one of the people I would have brought in for an interview, and then I would have let the interview process there. And clearly, that's what happened in Dallas. He got the interview. He impressed everyone, um, and all of a sudden, that led to uh, that led to a press conference where we have three people named Jim sitting at the same table. I wonder how long until that gets confusing. Well, thankfully, Montgomery said we should just call him Monty. That's just um, such a... I don't like that nickname. It makes me... I don't know what it makes me think of. I just don't like... It's just... Uh... Well, it's his nickname. It's... I know, but it's just... It sounds weird. I don't know. Well, it's... Uh... It's uh, it's Jim, Jim, and Jim, Jim Lights, Jim Nil, Jim Montgomery, um, and for the middle Jim there, this is we keep saying we don't know or we don't know if this was the right thing or right not, but this is a huge hire for Jim Nil because this is Jim Nil's, this is a. Uh, I don't want to use the word last because say he's here for a long time and then somebody leaves or something like that. But um, if if we're if we're if we're covering another coaching search the next five years, Jim Nill's gone. There's no way he gets to hire a fourth coach. Yeah, this is his uh, his make or break hire right here. Yeah, it, it's. I. What do you think, Jim? What do you think of Jim Nill's work? We've talked about this topic like, before, but overall, yeah. But what do you think of Jim Nill's work? Should um, he be on the hot seat heading into the season? Shouldn't he be? What is your view right now? Um, this is kind of a cop out to your question, oh. <laughs> but it enti- it depends entirely on whether or not 
Tyler Sagan's name is in ink, dried, signed, sealed, and delivered by the start of the regular season. That's so. I think we can all agree that Jim Nill has been very proficient at making the home run move in an offseason. We've seen him multiple times. He has made multiple big splashes in just about every offseason that he's been here. But it's the finer, nitty gritty. And it's not even that it's like he does he can't like he can bring in the big guns, but he can't fill out the bottom half of the roster. It's that going the whole eight defenseman thing for a year and a half and how Patrick Nemeth and Jamie Alexiak were basically sunk assets because he got nothing in return for them. That was a big detriment to him in my book. But his biggest test for me right now is going is going to be the Sagan extension. If he can get that done, I think that helps a lot. But I guess to come back and run around to actually answer your question, yeah, I think it's very fair to be in, be on the hot seat to start the year because this technically the third coach that he's hired. Whether or not Ken Hitchcock was entirely of his doing or not, that's beside the point. This everyone expected this team to be a playoff team last year. I don't think everybody. Ex, I don't think anyone really expected Winnipeg to be what they were, and not that that. I mean, that did kind of the way Winnipeg played this year kind of did negatively impact Dallas because I don't think Dallas beat Winnipeg once this year, and if Winnipeg wasn't that good. Dallas beats him two or three times, then Dallas is a playoff team. So, regardless, Dallas should have been in the playoffs this year. They were not in the playoffs this year. They have now missed the playoffs in all but two of Jim Nell's five years. I could have just said three or five years. I don't know why I had to phrase it that way. So, yeah, I think it's a very it's very fair for him to be on the hot seat. I agree. So I I, I, I agree. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, it's. Stars need to be back in a spot where they're actually contending for a playoff spot. And if this hire goes poorly, then um, there's not just a coaching search. There's not just a coaching search going on at this time next year. There's a, oh God, I can't even imagine covering three coaching searches in three years. I really hope that there's not another coaching search at this time next year. Why not? It's given you so much delicious off-season content to write about. I'm just really happy that I did my, like I was doing all those coaching uh, candidate profiles. I was, I had like a list. I I had a list of like, I'm shaking a paper now with names on it that I realize is a podcast so no one can see, but I I had a list that had like 15 names and I got through six of them. I'm just thankful that Montgomery was like in the first six I did. That would have been so unfortunate. Sean cranks out 10 coaching profiles. The guy they actually hired does not end up being one of them. Yeah. Well, that was like the, uh, <laughs> it was like the, uh, before I left, before I left last night, I was talking to my wife about the, uh, specials. the stars never officially confirmed the hire until this morning when we saw Jim, saw Jim Montgomery in the front and saw Jim Montgomery in person. Um, since the stars never confirmed until then, and they just had listed it as Jim Nell, Jim Lights and special guests. Um, on the uh, list as the press on as the press conference attendees, um, wife joked with me. Says, "What if you're wrong? What if everyone's wrong? What if it really is a complete special guest and another coach walks in?" <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I would have reacted to that. 
I mean, I feel like I feel like when Denver Hockey's Twitter account tweeted that out, that was yeah. kind of the dead giveaway. But that would have been that would have been something else. <laughs> All time great bait and switch. Yeah. And Jim Montgomery was in on it the whole time. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm just staying. <laughs> April Fools. We're joking. Don't worry. Oh. Um. Today is uh so. It is the, uh, you know what? It's the second most famous May 4th in Star's history. Don't even ask me what the first one is because I don't know. Really? You don't know either? Dude, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. What happened 10 years ago today? What year is it? 2018, so that was 2008. I'm assuming it has something to do with Dallas winning something. I don't, I don't know. The man was even at the press conference today. He didn't know what happened on this date. Oh, are you talking about Morrow scoring against the Sharks? Yeah. How the how would my ever how is any rational human being supposed to know that? It's not like it was a Stanley Cup winning goal. If it was a Stanley Cup winning goal, then maybe I could understand that. But there the was a second there was a second round the, playoff series. The date is literally in the name. What? Cinco de Moro? Oh, I didn't I never even knew that was a thing. I must. Really? I am a terrible Stars fan. I did not know that. Well, people sang songs about it or something like that. I remember that game very well because it was like eleven thirty at night, and it was way past my bedtime because I was, still, you know, were you in California I, at the time? Yes. So okay, so that, that's why it would be eleven thirty at night. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, it, I do these two over these overtime games that Vegas is going into absolutely killing me, just absolutely killing me. Anyway. I was still in high school at the time, so you know you got to wake up at six o'clock for that. And it was like eleven thirty. My parents were asleep. I'm sitting in the living room watching, and he scored. And I screamed so loud that I don't know how I didn't wake up the entire neighborhood. We started no, because it was a. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday night because I started watching it down at the rink in Fresno because just about everybody that I played hockey with in Fresno, not everybody, it was like half Kings fans, half Sharks fans. So we were watching the game down in there. And then I went to overtime. I'm like, shit, I need to go home. It's way too late now. Yeah, that's my story about that game. That wasn't a very good story at all. Yeah. Well, the stars, I guess maybe because I'm in the locker room. When I go to the locker room every day, that date is literally plastered in the locker room. Um, that's weird. I did not know that. That seems like a very strange thing to hold like fun in your history. Big, big, big moments in franchise history. The first team... Uh, Yuri Lettinen wins a Selkie. Um, Stars win President's Trophy. They win the Stanley Cup. Win back to go to back to back Stanley Cups. Um, Jamie Ben wins the Art Ross. Tom Gillardi buys the team. And uh, Dave Strader's the salute to Dave Strader. I think I might be missing one. And Brendan Morrow's. Oh, and Marty Turco like setting like. Then Marty Turco having like one of the best statistical years in NHL history, but not winning the Vesna. Um, <laughs> crime, crime yes. against humanity. Um, those are the things. Those things are all plastered. Like those moments are plastered in the locker in the practice rink locker room above. So I see that see that almost every day. I go to the rink. Oh uh, well, so that would ex- that would explain why you knew it and I did not. Yes. Um, I want to tell a funny story about things that are. I want to tell a funny story now that has nothing to do with today's the content of today's podcast, but it has to do with things that are listed in the rink. Okay, go for it. So in the uh, in the stars dressing room at American Airlines Center, 
there is three uh, above. There's the three walls. There's the on three of the walls. There is something above lockers. Above the one locker is the uh, all of the retired numbers. Okay, on the one wall, all the retired lockers, all the retired numbers with head, with a headshot or picture of the player. On the other one is the captains, and the on the third one is kind of a collection of other players that weren't captains or weren't retired but had like a long impact on the franchise, like. That's where there's a picture of Marty Turco. There's a Trevor Daly picture up there. Like, kind of those guys that don't won't get their number retired and were never captains, but we everyone will remember them if they're a Stars fan, right? So, sure, sure. This number is in the, these numbers are these these retired numbers are in the locker room. Okay. Um, so I feel this story. This story. It's been a, such a long time since this story happened, so I can tell this story. Um. Jamel Smith wore number 46 this season, right? Mm-hmm. Wore 46 because it was a training camp number. It's just he's still wearing the number that they gave him in training camp the first time, and it never changed because he was a guy who played in the ECHL a year before he made his NHL debut. No one thought he'd ever play in the NHL. Uh, so I was talking to Jamel Smith uh, at a point during this season. He's wearing why about how he wears number 46, and I asked Jamel if he, why he wears number 40, if, what, okay, if, if you didn't, if you, if, if you couldn't wear number 46, um, what number, what number would you wear? Stops and thinks about, he says, you know what, I might ask for nine next season. <laughs> so, I look, I think he's joking. I think Jamel Smith is joking. Um, I look at him and say, really? He says, he says, yeah, I think I'll ask for nine next season. And I said, you can't have nine. And I said, I said, she says, why? Who on the team has nine? Huh. Uh, I said, um, it's retired. And I actually point up at the wall where there is number nine right next to, right between, right next to 26. Um, so he says, oh, says, oh, all the good numbers are taken. I said, so, so it's like, okay, well, you can't have nine. What number would you take? He says, I don't know, probably 14. Um, I love the self-awareness. That is fantastic. So um, I said, you can't have 14 either. So I mean, you could try, but you're probably not going to get 14. He says, oh, who has 14? (laughs) He was definitely joking at that point, right? I I, I like to think so. I like to think so at that second, by the time we got to number 14. Um, But then I went and later looked that he did wear numbers 9 and 14 in junior. Huh. So, <laughs> um, unreal. So that's that's a quick aside. Um, let's let's answer some questions. <laughs> Might as well. You what have to did. you have to read though. I don't think I'm physically capable of processing words right now. Okay, fine, fine. Um, let's go here. Um. From Billy Reynolds, who would you like to be kept from the coaching staff? We're talking about assistants here, and who would you be, who would be your hypothetical hires if we started fresh with new assistants? I don't want them to keep Kurt Frazier, but I don't think that I know enough about assistant coaches to be able to answer the second part of that question. Um, Stu Barnes is staying on staff. 
I think we that's kind of well known that Stu Barnes will be staying. Um, I think Frazier and Rick Wilson will have be they'll. I think the Stars will give them a conversation with Montgomery. I have a feeling they won't be back. Um, so I think uh, I think Stu Barnes will be the one holdover from the staff, and uh, I think. You don't want to bring a guy in who's going to be like overimposing or tries to take over the situation or anything like that. But I think it'd be ideal, and I'm still not exactly sure who because I haven't gone through and made a list yet. So I'm going to kind of cop out since I'm just describing the type of person. And I'm not giving a name yet, but you'd like to see them bring in a guy who's got a little bit of NHL pedigree, just who can kind of be there to because Montgomery is a rookie NHL head coach and. Not only is he not only is he a rookie NHL head coach, he's a rookie in every facet of the NHL. Everything from when the team goes to the when the team goes to Calgary for the first time, he's never he's never coached a game in Calgary. Maybe there's something you have to do in Calgary. Like I think there's something there would be something good about having a somewhat a coach that's been around a little bit just on staff to kind of I don't know who can act as a kind of a sounding board or something like that. I mean, does that make sense? Thought that was what Hitchcock's for. <laughs> oh, Hitch's roll, Hitch's roll, Hitch's roll. Okay. We don't um, have to talk about it. I that was just more of a snarky. No, side no, we're going to talk about Hitch's roll. Okay. So Ken Hitchcock's role. Ken Hitchcock is now going to be an advisor of some sort. He's going to be some sort of. Um, but I think it's quite telling that uh, how much of an advisor he is when during what is going to be one of the biggest decisions for this team. Basically, after Hitch officially retired, Jim Nill told Hitch to take six weeks off. Oh, nice. So, which basically meant, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's six weeks off that I basically, we're not using your input on the, on the next coach. If you yeah. think about it that way. Yeah, that, yeah, sounds about, sounds about like what that sounds like. So, <laughs> um, Ken Hitchcock's role is going to be, I think he'll be a phone call away. And if Montgomery ever wanted to call him, Montgomery could call him. But Ken Hitchcock is really more of a, he's getting, he's probably going to go live back home. He might go back and live in St. Louis. He might do some pre-scouting on things or something like that. But Ken Hitchcock's not part of the coaching staff. So he's, they're basically just paying him to do nothing. Basically. Quote unquote, nothing. I'm sure God, there's something. I'm sure that's there's the dream. something. That's the dream. I hope to one day become good enough and then bad enough at something that people will pay me to not do that thing. Good enough and then bad enough. <laughs> well, yeah, because someone's not going to just not pay you to do something. You have to be good at it for a point in time before they pay you to not do it. Yeah. Um, I guess we kind of answered that question. Next question. Um, what are your thoughts on what this means for young guys like uh, Honka, Dickinson, and Shore? Those are just three names he listed. He also put an etc. on there, and that's from Hunter King. Um, kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but I think uh, I think what it might mean for some, in my view, I think it's a new opportunity for the likes of Jason Dickinson. Um, 
Jason Dickinson, uh, Rope Hints, even Dennis Garyanov, I think they actually have a chance with fresh, a fresh eyes and coaching staff to actually make this team next year. Um, which I, I think that's the biggest impact on what these what 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 we might actually have here. Um, now the GM also has to do his part to make sure there's space for them. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, there's there's there'll be an opportunity for that, and I also think there'll be a little bit more balance within the group too. Um, because it's almost impossible to be as top-heavy as the Stars were with the way Hitch ran things at the end of last season. That's This is kind of why I don't want them to bring back Rick Wilson and Kurt Frazier. I don't don't think Rick Wilson should come back. Well, part of that is, I mean, I don't like that they're part of the whole Hitchcock system, whatever thing, but when you bring in a new staff, you're bringing in not just, I mean, it's a fresh start for everybody. There's no preconceived biases or anything like that. So you look at, let's use Devin Shore as an example. He plays 82 games last year in all situations, inexplicably, because he really wasn't that good. Now you're looking at a situation where there's a new coaching staff, there's new input into this room, where there's a situation where this player, you know, maybe he doesn't even play 30 games next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a new start for everybody, which yeah. I think bodes well for some of these young guys who kind of got lost in the shuffle this year. Yeah. So it, it, it's a fresh start. I mean, it's even a fresh start for who knows what happens, but it could even be a fresh start with Jason Spezza for for if, if he's still here in October, depending on what happens with him this summer. So um, truth. Question um, from Court is Monty as gregarious as he seemed in that presser? Think that'll tra- think that'll translate well to the bench. Seems like his players really like him and want to give him their best. I mean, what what, what were your impressions from the presser? I feel like we kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah. He just seems a lot more energetic. He seems yeah. more personable. He doesn't seem as grumpy, which is good. He has young kids at home, so he's probably used to do, to dealing with bullshit all the time. He's got also four good. Young kids. Four real young kids, actually. Yeah. So good. It's very good. So. I think I I'm excited. I'm interested to see how that translates. I feel like my phone keeps buzzing at me for some reason. I know I feel like I feel like his per, I like his person his on the surface at least at face value his personality seems good. Yeah, I guess seems yeah. like a good guy. He seems like like a guy that I would want to play for. So we'll he see subscri- how the he, team he feels. Subs- he subscribes to the Athletic. I know that much. He told me that. Really? So um, wow, he's paying your salary. Yeah. So. uh he, uh, good hire, good hire. He subscribes to the athletic. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, get that, get him to do a promo bit. I should, I should. Um, he also seems like the type of guy who would be uh, willing to come on a podcast at some point. So I'm hoping for that. Ooh, hell yeah. So, um, live podcast with Monty. Yes. Hey, we can do that in October. Did you know that there. he uh, he's he's a big nicknames guy? Did you know he's actually the person who gave the Legion of Doom nickname to that line? I did not. So, big nickname guy. Lots of nicknames. That's cool. So, um, another question. Uh, we kind of touched on it. This from Josh here. So, do you think he'll be able to get uh, help Spezza get back on track into old form? I don't think he can make it any worse. No, you can't make it any worse. So, I mean, if we're if we're subscribing to the theory that it literally cannot be any worse, it's got to get better. 
theoretically. Well, if we're gonna stay, if we're gonna have it, some it, progressions it can in the mean, the same. it can stay the same. <laughs> True, but you'd, you'd think there would be at least some progression to the mean. Yes, uh, yeah, I think there'll be some. I think there'll be some super progression if uh, Jason Spezza is here. Um, I also found it uh, kind of interesting how. Uh, um, I found I found it kind of interesting how. The uh, so there's a picture that the uh, the stars put out a picture of Montgomery in the locker room, and. Uh, of Montgomery in the locker room and there's a couple jerseys hanging behind him and uh, the jerseys the jerseys hanging behind him are Faxa Radulov Klingberg Sagan Bishop Ben and Essa Lindell um so I it's it's just one of those where it's not it doesn't really mean anything but I laugh because it's one of those things where it's in the past, Jason Spezza would have been at the press conference. In the past, Jason Spezza, like, the team isn't marketing Jason Spezza anymore because there's there's a very real possibility he's not here in October. Right. Um, he could be back, and he could he could take a step forward. Um, there's also a real possibility he gets traded. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. Um. Let's see, a couple other questions. This isn't really a question. These two aren't questions, but a kind of... Well, this one's a question. Well, the first one's a comment that I'll respond to. And then uh, first two are comments I'll respond to, and then there's one non-coaching question. Um, the first is a... Uh, what is the what is uh, Montgomery's contract in years? Um, at this moment, I don't know that exact answer. It is a multi-year deal with a couple, uh, as far as I know right now, it is a multi-year deal that is structured a couple different ways, um, which I believe is Jim Nill's way of kind of saying that it's either got a coat, that it's got like the team options in it at some point. Um, so it's a multi-year deal, but I don't know, I haven't been able to track down the exact details yet. Um, as we know, for example, the stars never fully revealed what uh, Ken Hitchcock's actual contract was until we dug it up last year. Um, the uh, another one, just to comment is since the person says I like Jim Nill and I hope the Dallas Stars let him do his work. I worry about Jim Lights. He's probably one that pushed hard to get Hitch back, which was a mistake. I hope Lights focuses on sales, franchise management, etc., and lets Nill do what he was hired to do. Um, just a quick. Just to respond to that comment real quick, um, Jim Lights was not the reason Ken Hitchcock was hired. Um, the reason Ken Hitchcock were hired, was hired was the owner said, I want Ken Hitchcock, and that's why Ken Hitchcock was hired. Um, the uh, Lights does focus on the office side of things, and Lights is actually one of the main reasons Jim Nill is here. He actually went out and hired... Um, he, he was the one who went out and hired Jim Nill and he had a big hand in hiring Jim Nill here and uh, Lights really actually doesn't have anything to do with the hockey side of things um, he's a boss that gets reported to but that's about it um, if anything if anything, we actually heard Jim Montgomery talked about how much he loved Jim Light's enthusiasm for the stars and that's one of the reasons he really liked the job <laughs> yeah that was I did notice that that was kind of interesting to hear yeah um non-coaching question and we'll uh i'll throw it to you because i have my feelings on it um and 
the uh, the uh, do you see Nil talking to Kovalchuk? I mean, I can see him talking to him. I don't know if he's going to offer him anything. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing it. Uh, I have a hard time to. Uh, I have a hard time seeing it. Seeing it, ha- I have a hard time seeing it come to fruition. I like everything. Every time Radulov posts a picture with him with Kovalchuk, I love how it gets all this rumors stuff stirring up. I think it's funny. I mean, they played together. They played on the same team in Russia. They're probably friends. Yeah. I mean, there's every time you you see Sagan posting Brett, a picture with Brad Marchand, do you do people get all excited about that too? I don't think so. So there's Should nothing to that. There's nothing to that. Should we? I, I mean, I. If we're getting excited about it and anything, it would be Bruins fans thinking Sagan's going back there because I'm pretty sure Marshawn signed for the next like seven years. I feel like he is, yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I could see him doing due diligence on it and giving him a call and seeing what's up. Um, yeah. Especially since I mean, you can make the argument that Dallas needs a top six score, and I feel like Kovalchuk might not be as expensive as some other guys they could feasibly target but I don't know how busy Jim Nill is going to try to be in free agency with this year yeah um, and I mean if we're looking at the uh, if we're looking at players available and top six forwards available you have to look at the key situation that comes into play for Dallas this year and um it really boils down to with those top six forwards, how well they fit, um, and whether they're willing to change their name to Jim. Did you say change their name to Jim? I did. Okay, I just was making sure that I didn't like completely hear something that wasn't actually said, and that I wasn't actually losing my mind right now. I know you're losing your mind, um, but I actually said that. Um, okay, that's why. Good. That's why. That's why JVR is the easiest, since he doesn't have to change his birth certificate. Truth. He can just, just be called. We're gonna feel the team become, with twenty-three gyms. He can just become Jim's Van Riemsdyke. Did you say gyms? Yeah, I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Sean. I guess Jamie can be Jimmy. There you go. We're gonna just be the Dallas gyms now. The Dallas gyms. Yes. Slim gyms. Julius is probably finished for Jim, right? I assume so. Yeah, I think so. No, no, it's not. I think that's how language works. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> there any? Are there any? Uh, any goal? Any backup goalie options available named Jim? Um. No, I don't know. I th- was thinking of a guy. Or I was thinking of the guy who played in goal for the U.S. at the Olympics, and then I remembered his name is Ryan and not Jim. Oh, Ryan Zapolsky. They can sign Jim Slater. <sighs> um, yeah, they need a top six player. They need another top six forward whose name may or may not be Jim. Um, um that's. You got anything else we need to dive into? No, I can't. I can barely free think right now. My brain is mush. Yeah. I survived another finals week. Hooray. Good. good. That's good. Can't um, get rid of me yet. 
<laughs> That's good. Um, well, uh, we will. Uh, one thing I want to schedule at some point soon is I want to go through. Uh, we will put together a. I'd like to put together kind of a prospect countdown edition. Um, I'm planning on working. I'm working on something in the athletic on a similar. Uh, in a similar realm, looking at the stars, top twenty prospects. Um, so I'd like to schedule a something similar podcast, audio-wise, that we can chat about. So uh, look forward to that in the coming weeks, depending on how quickly I work on this. And uh, I guess we will also uh, go back to our typical uh, answer of, "We'll chat when something happens." Yay. I couldn't think of anything to say to that. I don't know why. All right, that'll do it. Everyone... I'm a shell of I'm a shell of a human being right now. <laughs> Hi everyone, thank you for listening. And uh, now I need Ryan. Now we will uh, let you go back to uh, reading more about the Dallas Gyms. <laughs>